Okay. Hi, everybody. This is Charlie Peck with the Thriving Educator Podcast. We have Dr. Brandon Beck today, and we're going to talk about hazing. And we're going to talk about our student athletes and how to protect them, what the role of coaches are, and how we can mitigate this because we are in a mental health crisis already, as Dr. Beck will tell you. And we're going to we're going to talk about this. We haven't talked about this yet on this show. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it, Brandon. I'm pumped to be here, and I'm super excited to dive in, have some uncomfortable conversations. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> we need to have those conversations. All right. So let's talk about hazing because we're talking about bullying in our schools and how to improve school mental health. Clearly, that is an issue for kids. What are the effects of hazing that you're seeing? Yeah. So let me just kind of circle back with you for a minute and just kind of roll into my view and where this comes from. So and my work that I get to do as I am a teacher for 19 years and a coach for 19 years, the reason I got into education in the first place was because I wanted to coach more. I was a semi-professional soccer player after playing in college and playing my whole life. I love the game inside and out, and I'm still a huge fan. And I always wanted to continue to coach, and the two things went hand in hand. So there are many days of the week that you will find me going from one from the field to or one from the school to the field in one day. And I just have done that since day one. And so I, I developed a lot of experience with athletes and working with hundreds of athletes and thousands of athletes, actually, by now, if you include all the youth players and things that I've done throughout my career. So I've had the opportunity to do all of this, and now I, I get the opportunity to speak and speak to athletes. And one of the topics that I speak about, because the work that I do is primarily focused on influencing and developing self-confidence, is around the idea of hazing, because that is obviously something that is really ruining sports teams. It's ending seasons. It's mm -hmm. making people feel less powerful. It's making people feel like they don't belong. It's all the things that are not supposed to be happening when you are on a team. And so it's a problem that has been happening. And, and obviously the media has really shown a lot of terrible things that have been happening, including what's going on, whatever, what happened with Northwestern University and some really sick and gross things, as well as dangerous things that are happening to kids out there in sports organizations and being someone who grew up and loved playing the game and always saw sports as an outlet and still love being on a field every game day, whether I'm a coach or a player, it's something that we all should get the opportunity to be involved in. And it's something that we should all get the opportunity to love because if you're playing at the college level and you're playing in the national championship, you're someone who's put a ton of effort into this experience. And so there's nothing that I hate to see more than a team season ending because of hazing. And so the effects of hazing, well, so many different groups of people suffer. You know, when you tell the story about the team that was hazing and had a hazing incident, we're going to always say the team's name or the university's name. So the organization struggles. The organization suffers. We're living in a time where it's media frenzy. There's people recording 
when they should be helping. And there's so many things that are happening out there that people are so quick to pull the trigger on to kind of get people in trouble and you're going to get caught. Like that's the other thing too. When I speak to athletes, it's like, you can, you can try to do this behind closed doors if you really feel like it's necessary, but it's going to take a lot of effort. Don't you think you should spend that effort on something that's going to make you more powerful as a team on the field? Like imagine if we took half the time we did planning that on video and half the time we took planning that on, you know, the quality of practice or having a team meeting to, to stay connected. Like those are the things that I want you to walk away with. Those are the things that I want people to understand. But, you know, in addition to that, the coach suffers, the coach loses his job nine times out of 10. And those coaches are people who have a family. Those are coaches who their name goes down and tarnished in history. Um, you can't change that. You can't fix that. And the list goes on to the families, to the individual, of course, and just the feeling of of being left out, the feeling of being, you know, to made to feel powerless is something that I personally had an experience with growing up that I connect with. Mm -hmm. And the story that I share is that I literally lit myself on fire to improve to to prove to a bunch of kids that I was cool because they were throwing gasoline on a fire. And then they looked at me and saw me and saw that I was scared. I was a 14 year old boy. The next thing you know, I jumped up and grabbed the cup to show him I wasn't scared, threw it on the fire and something went wrong. And there I was on fire, mm. like for a while and stop, drop and roll wasn't working. And I had to run and jump into a stream and third degree burns i have scars still to this day to remind me of that moment i've been there i almost died i had to have a visiting nurse come to my house daily to change the bandages i couldn't walk for six months but i was alive mm -hmm. and i'm and and that is one of the the things that i want to make sure that never happens and i know that i'm not going to step into organizations and work with people and make it stop but I, I, I am going to replace the focus. I am going to come in and I'm, I'm going to help you and your team focus on something that's a lot more meaningful than these other things that aren't really, you know, they're, they're more old school tactics, in my opinion. And I think we've moved on. And, you know, especially with the way the world is, there's so many better ways for us to be a part of a team and be a part of an organization. Mm -hmm. and, and that's right. And we have to move forward. And that's why we're talking about this. And the effects of it are what we have to understand how it's crippling our education system because student athletes, coaches, like there's so many people a part of athletics, which is, is a huge community piece. And if we dismantle that, then clearly we're not keeping kids safe and we're not keeping our jobs safe and we're not keeping ourselves safe, right? In that system. So that's exactly why you're talking about this because you talk about un unlocking unlimited potential. So when we cripple that system. Nobody can thrive in that. So, so I appreciate that background too, that you have, you really have such a background to come talk, to, talk to us about this. What else do you think is a critical piece in hazing incidents and in, in how to prevent those from happening in the first place? Yeah. You know, I think when it, it goes back to what I was saying before, a lot of times 
hazing is because people nine, I would say most of the time are trying to impress others. You know, they've seen, you know, I had to do this. So now you do it. And it was really fun. And some of them actually think it's a good time. However, there's the part where something goes wrong or there's the part where someone starts to get a little bit overly controlled and things start to happen that that aren't good. And I think what happens is, is we as individuals, you know, this is the work that I do is primarily rooted in self-efficacy and self-confidence. And we want to be liked. It's that simple, you know, and especially when you're part of a team and especially where there is a structure on a team where there are sometimes people who play more and they're very similar environments, right? Like going to an excessive amount, drinking an excessive amount of alcohol is really extreme. However, going out and and being after practice for two hours and getting up early and committing to the off season and doing those things like that's also extreme too, but that's something that's going to feed you in a healthy way. That's something that is going to be fed, but it's also something that you're going to have to manage as you go. The point is, is that one of those instances is being motivated by what you really want to do. It's aligned to your purpose is aligned to your passion What's not aligned to your purpose and your passion is going out there and making yourself a fool, embarrassing yourself, singing funny songs in front of a a group of the the opposite gender, Um, you know, being doing those things where you have to do something that you don't want to do. A lot of times those come from a place of that we haven't given our team enough voice. We haven't given the members enough voice. And a lot of times, which is really interesting, is that I'll go in and I'll meet with these teams. And I know this from experience as a coach myself, because a lot of times when we focus on the X and O, X's and O's and the scouting reports and the preparation for practices, we're moving from one thing to the other really quickly. And a lot of times we don't ever really get the opportunity to facilitate those conversations where every single person has something to say. And it's rare. And those are, those are, that's the highlight I would say of, of the workshops that I get to do is that I make sure that everybody gets a chance to have something to say. And that's one thing that a lot of the positive feedback and a lot of the reviews have said is, Hey, I really appreciated the opportunity to talk about some of the elephants in the room, to talk about my team values, because if you're not hearing people's stories in the room, if you're not connecting and hearing what it took for the person next to you to get to that place. So that's the core foundation of the issue. If you really appreciated that person next to you, like you say you do, you say you're on a team, but if you really appreciated that person, if you really, really like enjoyed that company of that person because you knew certain things about them and you were committed to their success together as you went on the field because you knew all they went through to get there, that's only going to connect us. And that's going to change the decisions on how we treat the people that we treat Hmm. this way. And I think that that's, I I think that's a huge part of it. Um, A huge impact, a huge effect is that 
one of the biggest problems is that we aren't having the opportunity to facilitate these conversations enough in so our locker rooms. That's leadership and you yeah. work with leaders. And so how would you tell a coach to foster that conversation? Start. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what is even, even interesting is that there's another layer to it as well, which in addition to working with the coach, I also work with the team, which I've talked about, but I also work with the the leadership council. Many of these teams have leadership councils. Maybe it's a couple of kids from a couple of different classes or it's some other people. It's not just the captains and the captains might be three or four, but then there's a couple others. And so, again, those are like the disciples. Those are the people that they meet with me. We have those conversations. We talk about the stories that come out because the question is the question that I always ask the teams is what do you perceive the energy of the team to be right now? Hmm, And that question, because when we talk about that, when the team, when these individuals talk about the energy, they're going to start right away, whatever comes out of their mouth, there's going to be a story about something. Well, you know, the energy, you know, everybody's positive. We had, we were down three, three to zero. We clawed back and, three, two, but we didn't win win the game, but we saw the fight. So everybody's feeling pretty positive right now. She connected that to the story and the story that comes out about the energies are, are really incredible. So basically what I get the chance to do is I get to a lot of times those coaches don't even stay in the room for those conversations. So I get to facilitate and bring that information to the coach. This is this third point perspective. This is, what your team is saying. And I love it because obviously in a coaching relationship with another coach, we have a pretty close relationship because we rely on each other. And, you know, obviously we're talking through the wins and the losses. We're talking through all those pieces, but they feel safe to know that, Hey, did you get a chance to speak with them? And and I saw this, did you see, did they mention that, you know, you start to get, a little bit of things that they would say when the coach was in the room and things they would say when the coach wasn't in the room. And so I just, yeah. So I I think just pure honesty and just having that coaching relationship. I mean, we set it up in a real easy way where we kind of hit immediate impact where, you know, the coaches right away, we know what we're looking at. We know what we're focusing on. We're focusing on goals, having that opportunity to just kind of, this is what I saw. This is what we need. And, this is the reason why we need it. And let's move on because I've seen great success in those opportunities. And I just think when you're working in the, in a situation, when you're dealing with, with that, that kind of relationship of, Hey, I've spoken to the team. I've spoken to the captains speaking to the coach. Like usually that's such an easy transition in that setup. Um, but if I was speaking to a room full of a thousand coaches that I never even spoke to before, I would basically say, you know, the same thing. Like, how are you bringing your voices into the, into the, into the room? You know, a football team can have hundreds of over a hundred players, you know, but you can structure that differently and coaches do structure that. And how do we know our values? What is the values of what do, what do you value is important. In fact, right there and then teams come out with it, like the one word that they're going to use for the season, the one word that they're going to put on the back of a t-shirt, you know, and 
just being having a chance to kind of talk and and bring it bring it out of them it's unique i mean i've done it so many times and and each team is a little bit different because the conversations go a little bit differently because each team brings their own different story i've worked with national champions and i've worked with the team that was last place in the league and so it's it i'll tell you one thing that they all have in common is they don't stop working and they keep showing up and i love to see the fire in their eyes because really sometimes the results don't necessarily always match the work that you're putting in and that's a whole nother layer of measurement and that's a whole nother layer i mean you talk about mental health issues i mean how many athletes that i've had the opportunity to work with are athletes that are dealing with the frustrations of being on a team because there's a lot of them yeah well and they're developing their identity i mean you work with kids from middle school to NCAA level kids or young adults even. And so you're talking about those same kind of patterns, but they're all trying to formulate their identity. They're all trying to take criticism and uh, filter that through an under, not underdeveloped, but not developed brain that's that's completely matured and, and all of that. So what are you seeing that's different from the younger kids to the older kids and how are you addressing them? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of the younger kids have really gone through that COVID phase where they lost that like change in that communication where a lot of them really lost the the ability to approach an adult, the ability to approach a coach, the ability to approach a teacher, the ability to ask for help. Um, you know, and I think that that part of it has led to a lot of lack of self-confidence, lowered self-confidence for young adults and, you know, kids ages from 10 to 18, you know, and those age ranges right there, you know? So I think ultimately it makes, it makes it hard because you're really dealing with a lot of communication and a lot of identifying who I really am, identifying my feelings. Like, I really feel this. I'm not just going to go and start like pounding on a pillow or pounding on my table or pounding on my desk. Like, I'm feeling this and I don't know how to deal with it. And I need some resources. Like, unfortunately, kids aren't able to ask for those things as well as we would like them to. Mm -hmm. And so I see that a lot at that level in that communication piece and you know the other side like for the older for the 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 the, the college it's you know that's media paced media piece that that comparison syndrome you know i think there's so much of that comparison syndrome out there um that really that really makes people feel like they don't belong, makes them feel less like themselves, makes them feel like they're not good enough. And I feel that that's a really bad part about the development of what's happening because we are in a mental health crisis and the the reasons are endless. And COVID was, and the pandemic was a a, a daunting time. The world is, has a lot of crazy things going on in it right now. Mm -hmm. And it's confusing. 
And there's a lot of stuff out there that we're kind of going through as educators, as coaches, as teachers. And we may be really focused on the X and O's and and the tactics and not necessarily able to stop around and have those uncomfortable conversations. And so I think the I see it happening more and I see I see these, you know, these conversations coming out more about, you know, through equity and social emotional learning. Um, but it took a pandemic for words like mental health and social emotional learning and equity to really become like important buzzwords in education. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think that kind of says it all in a nutshell about where we are as individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think athletes, student athletes get overlooked because they're a part of a team, but you can feel so isolated when you're on a team for lots of different reasons. So what would hazing look like at those different levels? Like if you're, if you're an adult connected to that team somehow, what should you look for? And then how should you address those behaviors that will show up? So if you're an adult and you're looking for signs that it's happening to your kid, your young adult, your, um, let's say, high school, you know, going into college, obviously, they're two different settings, because usually, if you're in high school, you'll see your child. And if you're in college, your ch your kid is probably not living at home. I mean, they could be, but so in this situation, you're looking for the same signs you would look for as if your kid did something wrong. You know, you're looking for, are you know, are, are they hiding things? Are you, you know, is there some messages on the phone? I mean, uh, is there something that is, you know, that's off. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's real emotional intelligence. It's, but it's not that complicated. I think in most, in most situations though, I, I think that a lot of times there's that fear, but you have to kind of look at what happened in the environment. Was there an event that the team was at? Was it a team dinner? Was it a party? Was it a, a Labor Day weekend? Was it a, you know, was, was there something recently and you got to kind of tie together the connect the dots. Um, mm -hmm. I think those are, I think those are really important. Um, obviously any kind of marks or injuries. I mean, because those, those things happen. Um, and I think that's also why it's important to have a, a good line of communication with your coach, you know, and I think um, the coaches usually, should be pretty adamant about communicating what's going on with the team, what in terms of what's happening in terms of, you know, schedules and times and things that are happening. And, you know, I think that if you're noticing something, the first person is the line is to go to that coach because that coach would, would know where to, to point you next. Um, you know, and at the, at the college level, I mean, it, it's, a lot of times it's something that is a lot of times it's fraternities, it's sororities. Um, it's uh, that's where the majority of the hazing work is being done on campuses right now. Um, I don't think it's being done enough in our athletic programs, um, but I do know that that is a place where it is known to happen. I mean, those are, it's the same kind of noticings, but it's also being aware of 
asking your kid. It's the beginning of the season. They're they're a rookie. They're a freshman. You know, mm-hmm. did any did it did it, do they do anything? Did they do any kind of like you know rituals? Did you guys have a party? What was it? I mean, you're you're you want to know. You got to ask. Mm-hmm. And you know, being connected to to that is again, it's it's the place where it happens, but also having that open line of communication, it comes back to that. So if we don't have that communication that the kids were missing because of COVID and because of, you know, lack of in-person connection, then we're missing it all. And so you got to stay connected to your kids in a way that allows you to have those open dialogues. So it really, how do you, how do you prevent hazing? If you're a parent, you parent and you have to do your best way to parent and communicate and, if your child is someone who's not communicating with you, you have to find a way to um, to to go other routes to to find what you need in terms of, you know, getting the information, if, especially if they're part of an organization. There are people that you can reach out to. Mm, for sure. Well, it is a group effort, especially we're we're surrounding kids all the time. We have a job to do. And I know you talk about unlocking that unlimited potential in everybody we serve. And that begins with us. I love that. I love that you say that. And you also talk about Brandon replacing hazing with positive team culture. So how can we do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think most importantly is that's, you know, the title of my workshop. And what I think that's really great about it is that I walk into a place and I get to talk to them about what it's going to mean for them when we do something that is going to impact us the moment we walk out the door and make us ready to dominate. And I think that's important. And inside of that, there is a hazing part. And I think that's the core of it because essentially at the core of any hazing is the fact that we are not creating an environment that everybody wants to be a part of. The most successful teams are the ones that everybody's having a good time on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Everybody's jumping up and down when we're scoring. Everybody's rushing onto the field. Everybody's hugging. Everybody feels like they're a part of something. And that's what we're trying to achieve. And that's the message behind that. And we talk about action items. We talk about, first of all, what is it that we value? And what are those values that we share? And you start to see words come around. You know, I the word relentless comes up a lot when I work with teams. And it like all of a sudden they walk, you know, it means something to them because they talked about it in that moment. Mm-hmm. And they talked about why. And a couple of the players stood up and talked about it. Not maybe it was a captain. Maybe it was just anyone on the team. It was anybody that raised their hand. Anybody, I don't even know who 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 any of them are until afterwards sometimes. And it's so interesting to find out who the players were that were speaking up. And a lot of times it's, hey, that guy doesn't usually say much. Or, hey, that guy, he doesn't play a lot. Or, hey, that guy's the leader of the team. And so I think that that's really what's awesome. And they walk away with action items. I mean, to build culture, you have to celebrate success. And one of the ways teams celebrate success is they walk out with an idea. It could be like, I work with one, I worked with one university and they were called the, they were called the setters named after a dog. And their whole thing is let's go dogs. Let's go dogs. And Mm. I 
tell them about how I had a team once that had a dog bone. And then after that, after every game, they would give some, they would give one player on the team, the dog bone. It was given by the players and the dog bone was for someone who would go in and play and have a bone crushing performance, like would just work really hard. And, and it was given by players. It wasn't the guy who, or girl who scored the game winner. It, it may have been, it may have been the person who was the defender or, or a goalkeeper or a point guard in basketball, whatever it was. It's something that helps build uh, that culture and it it creates something that we look forward to that becomes part of us. And we start to build in, dig deeper into that. And then we start to have other strategies and you start to think differently about, hey, how can we make this something where everybody's jumping up and down for joy when Mm -hmm. we're succeeding? And even when we're losing, we're all returning, ready to work because we care about each other. We're brothers, we're sisters, we're we're a team, we're a family. And so it's really, that's what it's primarily about. It's about taking that work of hazing, which is really the core, and it's developing an environment where everybody feels worthy to be a part of and figuring out, hey, what are the things we can do? Or what are the things we already do? Because a lot of teams already do these things. And it's, hey, let's share on that. Do you know about it? Did you know the history behind that? I've only been here one year. You've been here four years. And they're telling us about how it started six years ago. Hmm. That That is is, okay, well, that's culture. That's history. Those are the kinds of things that we should be carrying on year after year instead of getting someone to do something really stupid like drink an excessive amount of uh, alcohol to show that they can do what they can do or something even crazier than that. Yeah. I mean, we want to avoid all of those situations and I hope we can. I think what I'm hearing you say over and over is that as long as we build up confidence in our kids and create that sense of community, they're not going to feel that isolation. They're not going to feel excluded. And that is key. And I, you, you do, you do a great podcast series. You have a lot of this information just kind of weaved in through your guests and through what you talk about. Can you tell people about the podcast? And you also wrote a book by the way, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's funny because as I told you in the beginning, how I became a teacher because of coaching. I've always ran a soccer organization ever since day one. I've been a professional soccer coach since day one. And when the pandemic hit, there were no soccer fields to coach on. And so I had a little bit more time on my hands and I had written a dissertation about three years ago. And the core foundation of the work that I had done was about self-confidence. How do you feel about anything you do is probably one of the most important questions that you could ever ask yourself. And I feel that it's a really important question that I just continued to keep asking people. And I've always become obsessed about the idea of personal development, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, you know, the name of lists and goes on and on. And it's just, for me, essentially, the idea led me to write a book. And as I titled the book, I thought about, well, what do I believe the ultimate goal is for every teacher? Well, it's to unlock unlimited potential. I know that that's a, a lofty goal, and I know that's a very challenging goal, but that's why we stay up at night late. That's why we dream about our students. That's why we do the crazy things that we do. That's why we do things like I went and adopted a dog and I bring his dog to school now every day. 
You know, we do crazy things because we we truly believe that we can make magic in our classrooms. And I think that during the pandemic, we lost sight of that. And I know I I lost sight of it for times and periods. And this writing this book was kind of like my my credo to teachers to say, hey, like, please don't leave. Like, there's still a lot of kids here that need you. But I want to let you know that inside you, there is a fire that is ready to be burned. And I want you to know that, hey, I'm here if you need it. And I kind of just started to write and post and post inspirational things. I post things daily. I always like to be inspirational and 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 provide hope to one educator, if not more, hopefully more. And that led me to that book led me to a podcast. And that podcast is called Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. And I've had over 95 episodes at this point. And it's back to that question and and asking those questions of getting people to share their stories. And I've had people from Baruti Kafele, Manny Scott, um, so many amazing people, Thomas Murray, mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Cassis, uh, Darren Peppard, mm -hmm. and Coach John Mosley from Netflix, Last Chance You, um, the real... Papa Omar from the Netflix movie Blue Miracle um, just kind of went and and decided to take this idea of unlocking a limited potential a little bit further and just started to get people to share their stories, people with big followings, people with no followings at all. I've even had you on the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. and, and just people that I see that are doing amazing work and just having the opportunity to connect with them and hear their stories is, is so inspiring. I mean, I call it edu therapy, but it's, it's actually really rewarding for me as well, because I'm hearing about these amazing things that are happening. I'm hearing about awesome ways to deal with problems that I see happening. And then I get to write a newsletter and I write a newsletter and I share things twice a month. Um, it's called the something for you newsletter. And I include helpful tips and free resources. And I use what I've kind of been learning with the podcast and what the stories I've been hearing and the work that I've been doing and the work about self-confidence and the speaking and everything. And I just try to roll it all up and just give it to as many people as possible because all that led to speaking and speaking with teachers and speaking with students, speaking with athletes, speaking with coaches. And I'm very passionate about it. And I enjoy it. And I enjoy having the opportunity to share stories with others and help people rekindle and, and get that fire going because your self-confidence is influenced by your story, your why, and your purpose. Those three things. Those are the three things that every single thing that I focus on with, whether it's a leadership session, whether it's a, a keynote, whether it's a workshop, it's how can we focus on that story that is inside us about what we're doing right now? Because we always ask that question, how did I get here? How did I get on this path? We all ask that question. And, you know, when you start thinking about your your story, you start to realize, man, like I've been I didn't think about that. I didn't really think deeply about that. And taking that moment to pause and do that reconnects your story to your why. And you immediately realize why you're doing what you're doing, because after that, that leads to your 
purpose. And once your purpose is clear, your passion takes over. Oh my gosh. People have so much to learn from you, Brandon. Wow. Okay. So I got to tell people where to go. You clearly, they need to reach out to you. When you go to any kind of social media, it's at Brandon Beck EDU, correct? I do. I keep it so simple. And my website is the same thing, brandonbeckedu.com. Yeah, it is so simple. And can they reach out to you there? Can they reach out to you personally? Yeah, info at brandonbeckedu.com. Well, that makes it easy. That makes it great. Okay. So again, you do keynotes, you have a book, you have a podcast. People need to listen to that. It really is great. You've got tons of great information there where all of this is shared. So is there anything else that we left out, Brandon, that we need to say before we go? No, I need you to know that I'm very happy to be on this show. And and I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and and to connect with other like-minded individuals who are really pushing in this space because we really need more people having uncomfortable conversations in our schools. And I think that one thing when we start talking about mental health, I think that's where the uncomfortable conversations come. And I think it's really important that any listeners that are rooted in mental health understand that there you don't have to have any of the answers. You just have to have the ability to listen. And sometimes answers aren't always the solution that are needed. Yeah, gosh, that is a great way to say that. Oh my goodness. Well, and you and I are going to be in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, and we're going to be at a conference together. Yes. So I can't wait for that. I, I mean, can't wait either. That's going to be fun. So that's in Charlotte. That's the um, North Carolina Middle Level Educators Conference, and that is in March, and it's in Charlotte. So you and I, what what is your session on? I have like three different sessions and there's a leadership uh, round table that's happening that we're doing on Sunday. I'm working with teachers. I'm doing, I'm talking about really the most important thing is turning your story into power. So I'm excited about that one. Um, and then I think I have one more too, but I'll, I'll still wait. I will do like 20 if I could. You know, it's a it really, you and I were talking about this before we recorded. It's a great conference and there's a bunch of us that are connected there. I'm excited. I I truly can't wait for this one. Lots of people I have not met in person. That's for sure. Yes. If anybody wants to go to that, you just go to ncmle.org and you can register there for the Inspire 2024 conference. All right, Brandon, thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much.